Welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 15. We'll be discussing the Farscape episode, Durka Returns. I'm Kay, here with my co-host Taz. Hello. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Durka Returns. After a rough starburst, Moya crashes into an unknown vessel and takes aboard its crew, a Nabari commander named Salas, a prisoner named Chiana, and a brain-cleansed Durka. While Rigel deals with his history with Durka, the crew are faced with their discomfort of handing Chiana over to the Nabari to be brain-wiped. Chiana's here! I'm so excited! <laughs> I've been waiting for this episode for a while. So this is one of my favorite episodes of season one, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's pretty great. There's a lot going on, and we get the appearance of Rigel's old nemesis, Durka, who you might remember from PK Tech Girl. He was the captain of the Zelbinian that tortured him. We have a new terrifying species called the Nabari that mind-wipe their people, and they were powerful enough to defeat Durka in battle with this whole command carrier. And we have Chiana, who's our new character, who is like the embodiment of rebellious youth and becomes a wildcard player as the plot unfolds during this episode. And kind of what's holding it all together, which is a theme I love, is appearances are deceiving. It's a very well written, it's a very suspenseful episode because there's all these layers that are constantly being peeled back and it's like pure character work and I love it. Mm -hmm. This is such a strong episode when it comes to character work. Last episode we kind of talked about how sometimes characters were doing things because they were the only characters left available to do them and not necessarily because it's something they would have naturally done. In this episode, everybody acts in character. The plot moves because of who the characters are rather than the plot determining who the characters are. So we open on essentially Moya's pregnancy causing problems, which is, I gotta say, a brilliant way for them to have lots of problems. It feels very natural over the gestation period of, of Moya's baby. And so Moya and Pilot feel really bad about knocking into the ship, and so they pull it aboard against the crew's wishes. And who should they meet but Durka? And Rigel's head immediately snaps up as soon as he hears Durka's voice, except Durka is not acting like Durka that we have come to know from Rigel's flashbacks in PK Tech Girl. And it's the first illusion that we have on the show is like Durka is neither Rigel's memory of the evil of the evil peacekeeper, and he is also, as Aaron knows him, as a hero of the peacekeepers, has done great things, and is this legendary, legendary guy. So that's where we start out, and the big question is, what has happened to change him into who he is right now? And that's the Nabari who come aboard, and there's Salas, and then there's a prisoner that they're transporting named Chiana. When Durka first comes on board, it's not even that he's not Durka. It's literally just that he looks like somebody that's been lobotomized. He acts really peaceful. He has super long hippy-dippy hair. He acknowledges what he did in the past, but he says he's not that person anymore. And it's, it's interesting because the visual of who Rigel knows Durka as, you know, short hair, commanding presence, sharp lines, viciousness... And then who Durka is, who Durka is. It's a really sharp contrast between yeah. what we are expecting of this character and who Rigel expects and who we get. 
Yeah, and we also find out what happened to the Zelvinian because that has been a mystery. And we mentioned in PK Tech Girl that it wasn't resolved, that the major mystery PK Tech Girl introduced, which was what happened to the Zelvinian, wasn't solved in that episode. It's solved here. And we find out that a single Nabari ship took out this massive vessel. And it wasn't even one of their warships. It was like their run-of-the-mill, I don't know, minivan kind of ship. Mm-hmm. I think the Navari don't even have warships. I think when the yeah. guy was like, when Dargo said something like, well, was it a warship? And how many warships did you need? And the guy was like, oh, we don't have those. It was just a ship, like the one you yeah. ran into. And like the one coming to get us. <laughs> so don't piss us off. <laughs> <laughs> Solace is great. I love him. But so what happened to the Zalbinian was that the Nabari took it down and Durka, instead of merely killing himself, actually just made it look like he'd killed himself and then ran away on an escape pod, which then mm-hmm. the Nabari promptly caught. Yeah. This destroys another illusion that is held by Aaron, who knows Durka through her peacekeeper training as this hero that she really admires. And, and she actually fangirls Durka. And I'm going to play an early clip from the episode that kind of shows where she's coming from. The liberation of Mintaka III, the quelling of the Synovian Rebellion, these are legendary. No, these are meaningless, brute force solutions. The Nabari showed me a better way. The Nabari took over the Zalbinian and killed your crew. We had invaded their sector. How did you survive their attack? I faked my death and left on an escape pod. You deserted your ship. I have done far worse in my time. And that's like the bubble popping on all of Aaron's ideals for this man that she has admired as a, as a warrior and a leader. It's been a few episodes now since we've had Aaron deal with her peacekeeperness. I think the last time was until the blood runs clear mm-hmm. where she was really realizing she can never go back. And so just when she's kind of coming to this place of acceptance of not being able to go home, she's faced with this old hero and you can hear it in her voice in that clip. She's like grinning and she's like, you know, she's practically radiating. She's like, happy. Yeah. yeah she's, she's, she wants his autograph. <laughs> yeah, she does. Like she literally was like, oh my gosh, we studied you in school. I love you. You're so cool. And so when, when she heard Rigel in PK Tech Girl talking about the horrors of the peacekeepers, you could tell she didn't believe it. But then here she has her hero who is saying that what he did as a peacekeeper was far worse than essentially becoming a coward and abandoning his ship and crew yeah and her face falls you can see it happening claudia black just makes it happen on aaron's face that this person was not who she thought he was and the legend is not true and she is just so disappointed by it that there's one more thing from her past that she doesn't have anymore you know Mm. yeah that's a good way of putting it because this isn't even her imagining going back to the peacekeepers this isn't something that This isn't a potential thing. This is something that she is having ripped out from her past. It's being ripped away, essentially. Yeah, part of her cultural heritage gone. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's even more than like when you meet a celebrity and you find out that they're actually kind of mean or you meet a celebrity and you find out that like, oh, they're just like us, they're human and the bubble pops. This is way more than that. This is somebody that she's strode to be. Like you could tell that Durka was 
was somebody that she would have wanted to be like. Yeah, she idealized him and yeah. the values that she learned in, in training that he was the epitome of all these peacekeeper values of doing good things and all those battles that she mentioned were all good works done by the peacekeepers that she wants to emulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everybody else buys that Durka has been brain wiped and brain cleansed and Rigel, who has suffered at the hands of this man. He does not buy it. <laughs> he does not buy it. And he decides that he is going to kill Durka. Yeah. And I want to mention real quick also that he and Aaron have a scene together where they're kind of laying out the two sides of where they're coming from. She explains the legend and he explains this man tortured me and he has a knife that he's keeping on his throne sled so that he can kill Durko or defend himself or what have you. And she takes it away from him. And I just want to point that out because there's, there's a mirror of that act at the end when she gives the knife back, kind of coming full circle with it. Yeah. But I, I, I really like that image of Rigel is... He's small, but he's going to do anything to prevent Durka from hurting him again. So here's Aaron and Rigel's first conversation about Durka. I'm just here to make sure that you don't think it's a good idea to run amok on some childish vendetta. That is a sadistic madman out there. So you have claimed. I was there, imprisoned on board the Zelbinian nearly a hundred cycles before you were born. What do you know of Durka? Nothing. Actually, I was taught a great deal about Captain Durka's distinguished career. Force-fed a pack of peacekeeper propaganda? <laughs> and what did you think when we came upon the wreck of the Zelbinian and found that your brave captain had shot himself? Simply this. You said that you found his corpse. Obviously, you were mistaken. Apparently, he chose to end his distinguished career by faking his own death, all to save himself, whilst his crew died around him. You don't know what happened. I know all I need to. I really like that because you're right about it setting up the two sides between them. But I think it also does more than that because it goes back and it tells us more about PK Tech Girl. So what we now know is that Aaron didn't really believe Rigel when he came in and said, oh, by the way, I found Durka's corpse and that was great closure for me. And also, I love at the beginning that she says to him some childish vendetta mm -hmm. as if his what 100 years of torture or something like that didn't matter mm -hmm. you know like he has no cause to be complaining just because he got tortured a little bit it's very condescending it's i mean i think it's more than condescending because i think in pk tech girl we discussed that Aaron and Jelena see one side of the peacekeepers, John sees another, and Rigel maybe sees this underbelly that neither of them want to admit. Yeah. And I think here it goes back to that where no matter what happened in PK Tech Girl, or and what's happened since then, like the number of people that Chris has sent after them, the badness that she sees in the, in the peacekeepers, she still sees them as fundamentally good. Yeah. She still sees it as, whatever, Rigel, you were imprisoned for a reason. Yeah, like there is underlying goodness and in something worth of great worth to their mission in the galaxy mm -hmm. and even this this guy that tortured rigel who at this point you know she doesn't like rigel but she doesn't hate him either yeah i think that she can't even admit that durka torturing rigel was a bad thing right right yeah it's a side of aaron that we haven't seen before because yeah. it's a side of aaron that is a fangirl it's the side of aaron that still is that like five-year-old peacekeeper 
you know, little girl that's being fed the propaganda and is eating it up with a spoon and can't even really examine it that well. Yeah, it's the blindness to reality that she has. So Rigel decides that he's going to kill Durka. <laughs> yep, with a bomb. <laughs> Rigel is not particularly competent at murdering. No, fortunately for everybody else, including John Crichton, who has gone in to talk to Durka and is there when the bomb comes in and blows up in the middle of the maintenance bay. But because Rigel never did science, he always had people doing science for him, he gets the proportions wrong, and it's just a tiny blast that doesn't even, like, singe the walls or anything. But it sets up the rest of the episode, because he comes in afterwards, and he looks at Durka, trying to see if he's dead or not, and Durka reaches up and grabs his neck. And it's this really explosive moment, and this moment of sheer viciousness that comes out. And then it's gone. It's like blink and you miss it. And Rigel's the only one who sees it. So, of course, no one else believes him when he tells them that the Nabari mind wiping has not fully held. Mm-hmm. And got to say, I'm of the opinion that the blast is what did that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. No, I think the trauma of getting knocked to the ground and, you know, concussive force that knocks around your head, that does weird things to your head. And especially since brain science, as much as the Nabari think they have a hold on it, they're not perfect with it. And it starts to knock Durka's personality loose, his original personality. And that's the illusion starting to crack apart here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think Durka later mentions to Rigel, you know, well, thank you for you freeing me kind of thing, which is so ironic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good irony farscape i think he says that too <laughs> you know yeah i i agree the blast definitely freed durka and whether or not you know eventually the mind cleansing would have worn off because they do, they do say that it took them a hundred years of the mind cleanse yeah. to be certain that durka was clean which means that durka's only been out of mind cleansing for a couple of years maybe yeah so it hasn't been very long at all yeah it hasn't been that long so i mean there is the possibility that maybe durka would have eventually returned on his own, but it's pretty clear in this episode that Rigel sped that process along. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I like about this episode is because what unfolds afterwards is because a consequence of the characters being making decisions and making choices. And I love it when when the writing goes in those directions. Yeah. Yeah, because this isn't Rigel planting a bomb because the plot needs somebody to plant a bomb. This is Rigel planting a bomb because Rigel is a dominar and he can't let Durka live. He can't let somebody that demeaned him live. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not just that. He sees Durka as a threat to his person and he's going to make sure he's never taken alive again. Mm-hmm. After he releases the bomb and he's going to check whether or not Durka is alive or dead, there's a moment where um, he looks over and realizes that the bomb has also possibly killed Crichton. And there's a moment of regret. You can see yeah. that he's not... <laughs> he didn't mean to kill Crichton. Yeah, it's, it's this little bit of the ear... His, where the ear brows moving a little bit. is like, oh, I didn't think this through all the way. Unintended consequences. Fortunately, right, Crichton is not dead. He's alive. And so we have what becomes the beginning of the unraveling of all of the things that are going on. So up until this moment in the episode where the bomb goes off and Durka is freed, the episode has actually been more about the tension between the crew and the Nabari commander Salas and also his prisoner, Chiana. Chiana. But they haven't done anything about it yet um, because they are 
taking them to the rendezvous point, the Nabari asks, they don't want to rock the boat. There's this threat of the Nabari ship that could destroy a command carrier that's going to meet them. So they're not doing anything out of the ordinary. Yeah. Except, let's go to John and Chiana for a second. Mm -hmm. John is a little bit unnerved by seeing Chiana being a prisoner. And she's very young. She's thin, waif-like, I don't know, young, rebellious woman, sexy, all those things. But mostly young. And she's billed as this extremely dangerous prisoner. And he doesn't see it. Or he does see it, but he's wary of it, you know? There's this suspicion to him. And I don't know quite what's running through his head. Of whether he thinks of her as a threat, or he's not sure what she is hiding. I think that when John first meets Gianna, you're right, he sees her as young. And I think that he also, more than the rest of the crew even, acknowledges that they were prisoners and that they have been freed. So I think when he sees Gianna, he doesn't necessarily think, oh, prisoner, she deserves to be in prison. Do you know what I mean? Right. And then you have her asking for help. Yeah, let's play her first clip. This is the first line that Gianna has. And oh my God, Gianna, you're here. I love you. They too present an intriguing exterior. Yeah, appearances can be deceiving. I'm sure the same has often been said about me. Please, help me. Gianna. They won't tell you what I've done because they're embarrassed. You, you wouldn't consider it a crime. But we do, and that's enough. I beg you, I beg you for amnesty. We're not a diplomatic ship. Then use moral authority, please. What they're gonna do to me is cruel by anyone's <laughs> And at the end there is Salas triggering this collar that's around her neck to give her electric shock yeah. and keep her in line and modify her behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think that electric shock more than anything is why John is leaning towards Camp Gianna versus Camp Salas. Mm-hmm. You know, and he confronts Salas about this. He's like, why'd you do that? We were just talking. We've talked a lot about how John talks instead of uses muscle to solve problems. Yeah. So I think to John, talking is never a problem. Right. And listening is never a problem. Right. And it's also the culture he comes from, too. I mean, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, obviously, that's a very wrong phrase. But that that mentality of that you have to give even prisoners a fair chance to speak or a fair trial. And what she says can't necessarily hurt him, though it could. But the talking is is not an offense in and of itself, where it is for Salas. And the other thing I want to mention about Salas is what he says is, but it's a crime to us. Mm-hmm. And this, this separation of, of whose crime it is and who should do the punishing versus not. And since it's a crime to him, it doesn't matter about what John thinks. She is part of his justice system. Yeah, I, I think that if Rigel hadn't freed Durga and that whole plot line hadn't gone in a different direction... I think that they probably would have just let Chiana go. The Nabari ship would have shown up and either the Nabari would have taken the entire crew and mind cleansed all of them just for giggles. <laughs> because giggles. that's what the Nabaris <laughs> do. Because the Nabari are like that. <laughs> or, you know, they just would have taken Chiana as a prisoner, but the crew wasn't going to fight to keep her. The crew was not going to... No. Even John, I think, was kind of like, well, this makes me feel uncomfortable, but a lot of things make me feel uncomfortable out here. Right. Because Zan earlier gets into an argument with Solace about mind control. And he kind of looks at her and he's like, how dare you? You destroy our ship and now you're going to tell us how to live our lives. Yeah. And she 
backs off. You know, she doesn't agree yeah. with him, but she backs off. Yeah, I mean, it's a valid argument. It's definitely one I could see coming from Zan, given her experiences with Unity and her own violation by the other Delvians in Rhapsody in Blue. So this is something that she's very sensitive to. But even so, she talks about it, but she doesn't push it. Mm -hmm. So John and Chiana have a few conversations, and... I still really do like that first one because there's a couple things going on. Shiana is very manipulative. This is who she is as a character. Like it or leave it. I personally love it because I love Shiana. Oh. She's a survivor. I mean, yeah. that's how she survives. She she takes a read on people. She cons them. She lies to them. She presents her body as an attractant. She figures out what they want and how to make it work for her. That's, mm -hmm. that's what she does. And that's how she has survived so long on her own in the universe. And that's what she's doing here. Yeah. This is another moment where Farscape just does aliens so well, like so much better than a lot of really, you know, ev even some other really everything. good. <laughs> yeah, everything. Because her body language, it's very clearly sexual, but it's also very clearly not human. Like she yeah. moves in like this really jerky way and she just holds her body at this weird angle. And it's, it's clearly attractive and it's clearly she's trying to get a read on John, but it's also alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing I love about her, too. She's coming at a different angle to everything that he is familiar with. She and John have had that first interaction where she was begging and she was explaining to him it wasn't a crime and, you know, you know, you wouldn't consider it a crime. And then later on, though, he does come to her and he really pushes her and he wants to know what she really did because he is struggling with this moral uncertainty. And I think he kind of wants the... He wants to know. He's curious. And he, I think he also wants to know that it's okay to lock her up. You know, he wants to make sure that that this is a bad person that is in this cage with us, that we are transporting to a fate where she's going to get her mind removed from her. It's something that he's trying to justify to himself. So yeah. let's play their discussion of her actual crimes. So you're about to tell me why Salas and Durka went so much trouble to bring you back. Because I left the half-dead sanctimoniousness of my planet the first chance I got. I, uh, I stole food when I was hungry, jumped transport without voucher, defended myself when necessary. Did you ever kill anyone? I tell you I did. I'm asking you. No. Then help me understand the collar and the cuffs. Among my people, you, you conform. <laughs> Don't do the things I, I did. What will they do with you now? Same thing as Jerka. Mental cleansing into a, into an obedient zombie. <laughs> they do that to their own kind. <laughs> they do that to anybody they please. They think they're doing you a favor. <laughs> Like hell. Not to me, they're not. No. I won't let them. So Chiana's crime was not conforming is basically what that boils down to, according to her. Mm -hmm. It goes back to like the commentary of what the Nabari, you know, we have aliens that are a commentary on different aspects of humanity. And here is con conformity taken to the absolute extreme 
where there is no independent thought, there is no rebelling, there is no being different, and their own people are all brought into line, and there's there's no deviating from it, and they will do it to anyone and everyone that they come across mm-hmm. as a way to keep the peace. Later on, Chiana has a conversation with Solace where she's essentially like, didn't you ever want to see the universe? Didn't you ever want to travel? And he looks at her and he's like, that's what I'm doing now. You know? Like, yeah. I mean, and that's more sassy than... Solace, because Solace talks in complete <laughs> monotone. But essentially, she is just a rebellious teenager, and she's presented as very, very young. She's supposed mm-hmm. to be a child, essentially. Yeah. And she's being presented with the, with essentially being personality wiped, with being taken, mm-hmm. with being killed to a certain extent. Yeah, well, she says it as a zombie. And what I like about that clip we just played is it kind of shows... She starts off as being calm and trying to convince John and it's like all these innocuous things. Yeah, they were crimes, but they were about survival. They weren't they weren't killing anybody. I didn't kill anybody. And then as she keeps explaining, she gets angrier and angrier until she has that outburst where she's just like, I don't want to do this. And there's this terror in her voice and so much so that John actually goes in and into the cell with her and tries to calm her down because she's so scared of losing her mind because that's all she has. I mean... It's terrifying to think of it, uh, think of your personality being being taken away from you like that. So it's completely understandable. And we have Durka as the example of what happens at the end of it. Mm-hmm. You have this man who was a captain and he was powerful and he was a great leader. He did terrible things. He tortured Rigel. He did all these awful, awful psychopathic things. And now he's not any of those things. He is calm. He admits what he's did was being wrong and complete personality change and he's subservient now he and went from being a yeah. commander or you know a captain to being this subservient yes solace i will ask solace what to do kind of thing yeah that's the role durka plays here also is showing where chiana is going to be going and mm-hmm. i think that's as much as anything frightens john mm-hmm. in that scene where he's trying to find out what's going on with her and whether or not he should help ultimately. Mm -hmm. Chiana here is really distilled to who she is for a lot of the season and for a lot of the series where manipulative, tells people what they want to hear because she knows that that's how she gets what she wants. But we also see here her at her most afraid do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And also her outburst is like she is reckless sometimes. She yeah. will just be completely impulsive about things. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that maybe that's why for a lot of people, or not for a lot of people, but for some people, I assume <laughs> there must be somebody out there that doesn't like Chiana. And I don't understand you. <laughs> but so I, I can get why you wouldn't like Chiana for the same reason that people don't like Rigel. But I'm like, on watch through again, like after your feelings for Chiana have developed into like a burning pyre of ador- like love. <laughs> of adoration. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at her here, you just like want to like take her in and like protect her and be like, don't worry, Chiana. We love you. You'll be fine. Yes. You'll get hugs. We promise. After Rigel knocks out Durka and the mental cleansing, Durka's like, well, I'm going to go off to the ship. And then he theoretically disappears. John, during this conversation we just listened to, has brought Chiana food cubes and a drink and a utensil of some sort. And Chiana uses that to break out of her cell. And so she is now a loose cannon on the ship. And kind of simultaneously, we have Durka reverting back to his old personality. And he's going to take over the ship. Mm-hmm. 
because that's what bad guys and villains do. And I gotta say, Durka is a really wonderful villain. I love yeah. him as a villain. He's so good. He's really good. Like, all the things that Rigel is terrified about him, all those things come out. And it is terrifying and completely justified. Oh, yeah. Rigel's fear of, of Durka is very clearly yes. justified. Chiana breaks out, and I don't even know how she knows this, but she's smart enough to figure out that Rigel is the one person on the ship that she thinks she can do a deal with. And I think that under normal circumstances, that would have been correct. But I think that Rigel has read the situation clearly enough to know that if he kills Durka, the only thing waiting for him is a mind cleanse. As soon as Chiana comes to him and she's like, you get me off the ship, I'll help you kill Durka. You know, we can both win. And Rigel's like, okay. And then she lets the pillow off and Rigel immediately alerts the entire crew to Chiana being free. Yeah. He's tied up at this point for his attempt on Durka's life. And I think Solace actually has asked for him to be turned over to the Nabari. Yeah. And Zan was like, no, we're not going to do that. And Solace kind of gives her this look like you think you're not, but you are. Right. And so this shipwide search starts for Chiana. And so you have everyone on different tiers and things going on. And we haven't seen Durka yet. But what happens is John stumbles across a dead body. And the yeah. dead body happens to be Solace's. Well, and I want to talk about the camera work here because we've talked about this being like a really tight episode where the characters drive the plot rather than vice versa. But here the camera work is really, it's interesting. And it's something that I think that if they'd used once, it would have been really cool, but then they end up overusing it and it just becomes very nauseating, <laughs> which is that the cameras, it kind of curves with the, the ship. It kind of curves with the hallway. And so it does create this sense of tension because you know that something is coming. You know, because of the way the camera is moving, that you're going to find something. It's it's really neat. But then yeah. they just overuse it in this episode. <laughs> and it becomes I actually kind of... didn't know if they overuse it to me. I didn't, I didn't have any reaction to it. But the other thing I liked was that all, like Zan's on her own and, Dar and Dargo's on his own and Crichton's on their own. And so there's this sense of disconnect between all the characters, which actually becomes important later once communications are cut off by Durka. Mm -hmm. But John, John discovers Solace's body, and the, now the big question is who killed Solace? And they think it's Chiana because she's loose on the ship. But clearly it's Durka. <laughs> because he just then goes and captures Rigel and Aaron on command and takes over Moya. Yeah. In a really brutal fight with poor Aaron who gets her face bashed a couple times. Oh, man. It oh, looked I like know. it hurt. Durka's very smart, and he hasn't revealed he's evil yet. So essentially they find the body and John is like, Chiana killed him. Oh no. And so Durka shows up where Aaron and Rigel are in, in Rigel's quarters. And Durka's like, hey, have you checked command? Maybe she might go there. And so Aaron goes because she's there going to secure command. And Rigel goes because he does not want to be alone in his quarters with a crazy person on the loose. And Durka goes because he's evil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right at this moment, we finally get the real Durka and Rigel confrontation that we've been waiting for this entire episode. And I just want to play some of that because it's it's really good. So to set the scene, Durka wants to starburst away from the rendezvous where the Nabari ship is coming because he doesn't want to be recaptured. And he's got Aaron and he wants to torture Aaron to force Moya into starburst. And Rigel is also captured. This could have been avoided. Durka, you are pathetic. 
Look at you, salivating at the chance to maim and kill someone who can't even defend herself, foaming at the mouth like a sick Trelkus. Pathetic. Why, Rachel? What's this? Something I should have said to you a long time ago. Yet you didn't. I was going to save you for a bargaining tool. But now I'm wondering, do you think your shipmates would really care if I just burnt your face right off? Go ahead and find out. I don't care because the all-powerful Durka is a failure. It's the truth, Durka! You tortured me without mercy, but you never broke me. You only made me stronger. And even if you kill me, I'll be laughing at you, because the last thing I'll think of is you on Nabari Prime for another hundred cycles, being ground back down into nothing. This. I love that. So good. And it's the breaking of another illusion. It's, it's the breaking of Rigel's vision of Durka as his all-powerful, evil torturer who has complete control over him, who he fears totally. And Rigel has broken that and seen the man beyond who ran away from a fight. And he holds on to that. And I just love that. I just think it's just, it's just such a good moment for Rigel. Mm -hmm. When I think Rigel here in that moment is even more powerful than he was earlier in the episode when he tried to bite Durka's neck off and later <laughs> when he put in a bomb, you know, when he threw a bomb <laughs> into the hangar. He's even more powerful be because he's seen through that illusion. Because the PTSD flashbacks that he's been getting are essentially broken because he's seen Durka broken. Yeah. And because he knows that Moya can't starburst because of her pregnancy. So he knows that no matter what Durka does, he's going to be recaptured by the Nabari and mind cleansed again. And he is so happy about that fact. And you can't blame him. Mm -hmm. You really can't. Yeah. And right before that, Aaron was also kind of goading Durka because, and we talked about how her seeing Durka mind cleansed was the breaking of an illusion. It was, you know, her seeing that, you know, her, her seeing behind the mask of Durka, the cool commander who does everything right all the time, 100%. Yeah. And so here she's kind of goading him and... I liked that moment too, but it didn't really, because for Aaron, it was really clearly important. But this moment between Rigel and Durka is just so satisfying. Mm -hmm. Well, for Aaron, it's really about her coming to finally understand Rigel's point of view on Durka and understanding that, oh, Rigel had a reason to fear this guy who's holding a heat searing tool of some sort right next to my face and is about to burn me with it. And so I think for, for Aaron, it's part of, you know, she's a prisoner, she's going to push back, she's going to fight back, and she's finally really coming to understand who Durka is in another level. Like, he's not just the coward that ran away, he is also the torturer that she didn't want to believe he was. Mm -hmm. So Durka is very effectively taking Moya apart. He, everything that the crew can do, everything that Pilot thinks they can do, Durka has essentially taken back. He was captain for a reason. He yes. knows his ships. He knows the ships very, very well. And so the rest of them get together and they try, they have like a plan, <laughs> which is Dargo's plan. This is Dargo's <laughs> plan. The man who has just managed to cut off communication, cut off all the doorways, cut off pilot from Moya, and is now trying to like 
It is now trying to get Starburst back manually, <laughs> which involved him like ripping apart like parts of Moya. And like getting into the guts of the electronics and actually doing something properly with it. Yeah, versus Dargo. Anyway, <laughs> so this is Dargo's plan. To go down an obvious escape shaft that goes straight to command. <laughs> and shoot him. <laughs> and shoot him. So on a scale of cutting off your pinky finger to <laughs> kicking out the random <laughs> peacekeeper, peacekeeper thing. That caused Moya's pregnancy. Yeah, that co- and getting Moya pregnant. Her diaphragm. <laughs> oh, God, right. <laughs> Where does this fall? So this definitely falls on less stupid than cutting off your finger for identification purpose. And maybe, since it had fewer consequences, maybe less stupid than kicking out a random peacekeeper thing just because you don't like peacekeepers. Yeah. But I do love that John did point out, don't fall into space this time. That was really (laughs) nice. (laughs) Yeah, right? I'm like, oh, Dargo. Because, like, literally as soon as he does it, Dirk is like, yeah, I expected this. Bam. And he, like, traps Dargo. What took them so long? And, yeah, Dargo's out of play for the rest of the episode. So, Dargo's out of play. Zan is trying to help Pilot get control back. So she's with him in the den, which is probably a good thing to help keep Pilot calm, too. Solace is dead, Aaron's a prisoner, Rigel's a prisoner, and that leaves John Crichton and Shiana loose on the ship. And what do you know, they form an alliance. And I just, I'm going to play a little scene between the two of them, because I think it again shows who Shiana is, and as we're getting to know her, as she's always looking out for herself, she's negotiating, she doesn't trust John, and John doesn't trust her. And so I'm going to play that right now, just so you can see how their alliance was formed. That's why he wants to get away from me to come back. Because he's afraid my my people will recondition him. Well, that's something you have in common. I believe that against him. Or maybe it's to my advantage to team up with him. Do you have a hearing problem, Chiana? Dirk is insane. He's a psychopath, legendary. Nobody knows what a hundred years of Happy Meals have done to him. You could end up with your throat cut. Maybe. But I know how to hide. I know how to disappear. Do you know how to breathe vacuum? He doesn't have to find you. He can shut up the life support everywhere except for command. Commit, Chiana. You're with us. Or you're on your own. When my people find out what happened to Salas, they're gonna want to cleanse the lot of you. Yeah. I guess that makes us natural allies. In the first episode, I talked about how John does this thing that other Starfleet captains don't do. I mean, not that he's a Starfleet captain, but that they don't tend to do on on other science fiction shows, which is that he challenges people to be better and they inevitably live up to it. He challenged Aaron to be better and she lived up to it. He challenged Volme to be better and they got It's Friday again to be better and she lived up to it. And here, that line, commit Chiana, he's just pushing her and she lives up to it. Yeah, 
even though she's throwing back all these reasons why she shouldn't, she's testing and she you can see the logic flowing back and forth. She's saying one thing, he's countering and she's countering again. And I just love that conversation for that too. And that line, as you said, commit. It's so, it's so great. And she does. And it changes her life. Like literally her rest of her life dictated by that one moment. And it's, it's really neat to see that turning point for her. Yeah. I just love John Crichton life changer. <laughs> and it's, and the funny thing is about John Crichton life changer is that it's always, for me, the plots of the people whose lives he's changed is always slightly more interesting than his own. Do you know what I mean? Like, John has a yeah. really cool plot. Don't get me wrong. I love John's plot. I love his character arc from season one to, you know, Peacekeeper Wars. Love it. But here, we see who Chayana is at the beginning. This is the distinguishing moment of her life. This is the moment where her life begins to change. So she and John team up to try and draw... Durka into a trap to capture him and one of John's plans we've discussed before just for this one of Dargo's plans this plan doesn't go very well <laughs> shall we say in fact it pretty much fails miserably in that Chiana gets shot in the arm Durka goes off to try and sh basically abort Moya's baby so that he can starburst because the baby is why she can't starburst right now <laughs> And so John is left scrambling, trying to, to figure out what to do next. And I forget what he does next. Oh, he throws a bomb into the hangar. Oh, right. That's right. But I want to talk for a second about his first plan. Because his first plan is a Dargo or an Aaron plan. It's literally lure Durka into the freezer where Chiana was hiding and then hit him with a big stick. I want to point out that John had a plan like this before in Throne for a Loss. When Dargo has the arm thing on, mm. he and Aaron draw Dargo into a room and then have Pilot shake the ship and knock him down. Yeah. So maybe, <laughs> I feel like though, I feel like John's plans, whenever they're physical like that, like in Throne for Loss, in Throne for Loss, it went well because of luck. In this one, it didn't go well because of luck. Like these plans <laughs> are not his best plans. His best plans... They're they are not the best plans. Yeah. <laughs> his best plans are like ones that rely on his smarts. Like the one in Bug. Or not Bugs. Um, you know, the one with the Bugs. Exodus from Genesis. Yeah, Exodus from Genesis. Like that one relied on smarts. And those are his best plans. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that's besides the point. So his second plan is Durka gets in the ship not to fly away because the ship has no propulsion. That has weapons. Yeah. He gets in the ship to like essentially shoot out Moya's baby. Yeah. John learning from Rigel and actually doing better because John is actually competent with things like proportions, makes the bomb, throws it, destroys, well, doesn't destroy it, but he damages Durka's ship, the Nabari ship, and it gets expelled because Pilot and Xan are in the background furiously getting the doors open. It's very dramatic and there's, you know, loss of pressure and everything. And Durka gets expelled into space. And yeah, that's, that's the conclusion of Durka's storyline for the episode. I feel like that would have been unsatisfying, except that there's a couple things. Except we already got our confrontation between Durka and Rigel, and Rigel won that, even if he didn't physically end up killing Durka. Like, Rigel won. He won, he won the emotional battle. Yeah, he won the emotional battle. And the other thing is that we know now that Durka is essentially going to be brain cleansed again. Or killed by the Nabari. Either one. Or die in space. Yeah. One of those three options. He has been expelled from Moya... He's no longer their problem. And then there is Chiana, who is still aboard. They make the decision to let Chiana stay. 
which is awesome, which I love. But here's the last question that we haven't resolved from this episode is who killed Salas? Who do you think killed Salas? John asks Chiana and she says nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think from her silence, we're supposed to believe that she did, but it doesn't really make sense to me because Chiana hasn't really been shown to be a murderer. And also it makes more sense for Durka too, because because Durka needed to kill Salas in order to be free. Yeah. For Durka... There's no circumstance under which Solace is still alive and Durka is free. Okay, I could see that. I'm going to argue it's Chiana because the collar was left beside Solace's body. The collar that she was wearing, the shot collar. Mm. And I could see her being angry enough and wanting to not go back to the Mabari so much that she would do anything, including kill Solace, to get away. Mm-hmm. So I love that it's an open-ended question. Yeah. but I, And I think there's a strong argument for either way. Yeah. At the end, Zan is healing Chiana. She's, I don't know, Chiana was, <laughs> Chiana's gunshot wound and Chiana is irritating Zan, which is going to be awesome forever. <laughs> Their relationship is so funny. <laughs> um, and John is like, do you want to kick her off the boat? And Zan is like, uh, ask me tomorrow. Ask me tomorrow. <laughs> which is yeah. a very different, which is a very different Zan than um, from Jeremiah Crichton, let's point out. Yeah. So, so Zan walks off and, and so Chiana is going to stay. I'm going to play one last clip for us. And what I really love about this is it kind of shows that Chiana hasn't realized yet that her life has changed. But she does, she starts to here. So, do I get to stay? Moya's gathering her strength for Starburst. Let you put enough distance between us and your people. Thanks. What's the matter? We have rules. Yeah. Well, when I see any of you falling, so will I. I'm easy. I owe you. The others will not be so forgiving. Well, just drop me off the next planet, where there's something we're stealing. This isn't a prison transport anymore, Chiana. You can get off whenever you want. And it's the, when he says, this isn't a prison anymore, you can get off whenever, it's your choice. And there's this look on her face like she didn't realize that. She was just waiting for them to do something with her. Mm. And I really love that little bit because she's now starting to realize that this is different from anything she's been on before and anybody that she's been traveling with before. Yeah. Before, it's always been her reacting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she had a need she, you know, she needed food, she stole food. She needed transport, she steals transport. This is kind of the first time she's been in a safe place where they're like, yeah, you can stay, that's fine. And you can leave. Yeah, or you can when leave. you want. It's up to you. But it isn't like a have to thing. She doesn't yeah. have to leave Moya. She can stay, and it's her choice. And it goes back yeah. to the committing. Yeah, there's, there's, she has new agency with her life on Moya, and I really like that moment for her. Ah, Chiana, I love you. So glad you're yes. here. <laughs> Then we also have some final resolution between Aaron and Rigel because their arc has been seeing the two sides of Durka, of Rigel seeing the evil torturer and Aaron seeing the war hero. And then they find it kind of come together in who their vision of Durka is when they're both captured by him. And so we finally get some resolution between the two of them. And so visually what happens in this is what I mentioned at the beginning, Aaron gives Rigel his knife back. You can have that back now. Sure, now that I don't need it. You know, I never thought I'd say this to a Hynerian, much less to you. Stop there! 
<laughs> Don't you dare thank me for saving your life. I wasn't going to. You weren't? Why not? Because amidst all that unfinished business between you and Durka, I don't think you even knew I was there. Oh. But you handled yourself well. <laughs> I did, didn't I? Beat him at his own game. You just compared yourself to a peacekeeper. And I love that Aaron acknowledges that what Rigel did was commendable and how he confronted Durka and she gets it and she understands that it took bravery and it was a good resolution for Rigel. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is the first time that Aaron has really begun to respect Rigel in the series? Yeah, I think you could argue that. I'm trying to think off the top of my head other moments she's had with Rigel. She hasn't had a whole lot, I don't think, that weren't bossing around or needing him for some reason. Like the last time they rescued Rigel was because he had stolen the the gem that was needed for um, the crystal that was needed for propulsion for Moya in Throne for a Loss. But here, you know, it was about his relationship with Durka and how he handled himself in a very difficult situation. And they were both prisoners together, so she saw she was there for it. Hmm. And I, I do kind of like her dig at the end, is where she says, You compared yourself to a peacekeeper. And I, what I like about it is it's getting back to her idealism about the peacekeepers in that she still sees all this good in them and the behavior that Rigel exhibited in confronting Durka, playing his own game at it and playing it well and winning as a positive peacekeeper trait and pointing that out to him as kind of a, hey, look, here are things that we value and you have shown that you value them too. There's probably a bit more along the idea of a, plat a platonic ideal Mm -hmm. as opposed to simply yeah. just only peacekeepers can do these things. Mm -hmm. So out of this whole episode, we had the John and Chiana relationship and we had the Aaron and Rigel relationship. And then we had like the external threats. And I just, I think this is a really strong character episode. It really is. This is like an episode that really shows us what Farscape, like when Farscape wants to do really good television, <laughs> it does freaking excellent television. It's amazing. And it's so tightly plotted too. Like everything leads into all the other things and you know, the two major plot points, which is Durka turning back into Durka and Chiana escaping is Rigel precipitated Durka's return and John precipitated uh, Chiana's escape with the utensil that he gave her when he gave her lunch. Mm -hmm. So I really like that those things all kind of unfolded from the actions of the characters. Mm -hmm. You know what? I've been thinking about your question a little more of did Chiana kill Salas? And I think there is a third option. I think mm -hmm. there is an option where maybe Durka injured Salas and Shiana came upon him and didn't help him. Or where Chiana knocked Salas out and took off the control collar, but he was still alive. And then Durka came along and killed him. I think yeah. that there is like a third option there where maybe that's why she feels guilty for Salas's death. Because he was bleeding out and he was still alive when she found him, but she didn't save him. Or where she knocked him out and left him open for Durka to take his life. Like, I think there's I think there's a third option there. Yeah, that's like a cool way of thinking about it. That hadn't occurred to me. All right, so if you're listening, let us know what you think about who killed Solace. Yeah. And options A, B, or C. All right, so white shirt watch. John has a new shirt. It's dark gray. <laughs> yeah. Where'd it come from? I have no stores? idea. It's got to be the Peacekeeper stores. But it's definitely a shirt we have not seen before. Yeah. Brand new shirt. I guess it's kind of, if we go from like, 
I think if we're looking at the shirts as John's morality throughout the show, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's gone from like the white shirt purity to now he's a dark gray. And then yeah. <laughs> Aaron's wearing her gun on her hip, which I like mm-hmm. because it's like her, st- you know, very typical Aaron. And she's wearing a leather vest instead of the suspenders that she was yeah. wearing a few episodes ago. Yeah, I think we've seen the leather vest before, but pretty much our classic look for season one is white white tank top, leather vest, cargo pants, gun on her hip. She's very sexy. I love oh, Aaron. gosh, I know, right? <laughs> Aaron. Uh... So what would you give this episode? Oh, this is a five for me. Yeah, I agree. This is a really good one. Yeah. yeah. It's good. It's solid. You know what? I was watching it, and I was getting nervous about what Durka was going to do. And I've seen the episode before. <laughs> That's how good the suspense was. Yeah. this And this episode does, like, tension really good. It does character development really good. It does... There's nothing you could cut out of this episode. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. everything, everything is there for a reason. Yeah. I will say this fun fact, the shot when Durka shot Shiana in the arm, in the original script, she was supposed to die. Hmm. Why didn't she die? Because they liked the actor so much that they asked her to come back and become a regular. Oh, I'm so glad they did. Yeah. I think that, I think the series actually would have suffered a lot if without a Shiana. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. She brings so much to the show as you will learn as we continue along. Oh, I'm so glad she's here now. Okay. Another fun fact that I learned while I was looking up something on IMDb about this episode. I didn't know this, and I know you knew it, but I don't know why you didn't ever tell me. Did you know <laughs> that the actor that plays Crace is Pilot's voice? Yeah. I, I didn't know you didn't know. That's why I didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought everyone knew that. <laughs> My mind was blown wide open. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why they can get away with having Crace in so few episodes, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, because I, I think that's what I was looking up, because I was looking up who Rigel was voiced by, and then I yeah. noticed that, like, I was like, wait a second, that's the same actor that plays Grace for, like, Pilot, and I was like, ah! Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's him. It's great. You can sometimes hear it in his voice if you know to listen to it. Anyway, mind blown wide open. <laughs> I didn't know you knew, otherwise I would have told you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next episode what is the next episode of a human reaction we Ooh. are hitting the good stuff okay nice well if you like us rate us on itunes that's how other people find us you can join us in conversation we're on dream with or tumblr we also have an email address farscape friday podcast at gmail.com go ahead and hit us up let us know who you think killed solace and we will see you next week bye bye <laughs>